0: Within the next 24 months, the majority of the Fortune 500 will be primarily remote. So that will be a complete shift in understanding where remote work is today. The genie is out of the bottle. The employees that are top performers will require remote work as table stakes. The employers that want to continue to grow will recognize they cannot do an on-premise model and succeed, they must switch to a remote model. Welcome to the Going Global podcast, brought to you by Globalization Partners. Hire anyone, anywhere, quickly and easily. Use our AI-driven, automated, fully compliant global employer of record platform, powered by our in-house worldwide HR experts with 97% customer satisfaction ratings. Globalization Partners, succeed faster.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Going Global, the podcast where leaders in high growth companies tell us their own stories of going global and building global remote teams. I'm your host Diego Mendiburu and remember that you can find all episodes of this show on Spotify, Google and Apple podcasts. On today's show we're going to interview Liam Martin. Liam is a serial entrepreneur who runs time doctor and staff.com one of the most popular time tracking and productivity software platforms used by top brands to manage remote work. He's also a co-organizer of the world's largest remote work conference, Running Remote. Hello, Liam, and welcome.
0: Thanks for having me, Diego, and globalization partners are actually going to be speaking at uh, the next episode of Printing Remote, which is incredibly exciting, May 21st, I believe.
1: Oh yeah, 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 that's fantastic because I think people that hear that conference will be able to understand how we ourselves have gone global and how we're helping other companies to do it and to build global remote teams. But before we start the interview, Liam, I found a piece of data that is quite interesting about you and i want to make your question about that you used to be a pro figure skater i have to ask you liam now that everyone is working remotely but at the same time doing other things we hear about people you know going outside with their dogs while attending a conference call I wonder if you've ever been on a work meeting while you're skating on an ice rink, probably spending a good time doing both things. Is it possible? Have you tried it?
0: I mean, I think it's possible. I've never (laughs) tried it before, but that's definitely, you've now put that on my radar for next winter. (laughs) Uh, I think you can do anything remotely, fundamentally. I feel like the ability for us to really, I mean, and this is probably for people that are listening to this podcast, this is probably not news to them. But I think that remote work is the single most important thing that you can do to be able to make the work lives of people better. And it's just because you can do things like walk your dog, go to the gym, skate around at a skating rink, and still do some of the work tasks that that you, know, you regularly do throughout your work day. So it'll be interesting. I think the next year or two is definitely going to be a time where we're going to hear some of those really weird stories like someone you know was spending we just actually i just ended up ordering elon musk's Mm -hmm. new satellite internet package starlink and yes starlink and so my goal is to go up north to my chalet which is quite literally in the closest neighbor is two miles away, has its own electricity, and um, see how long I can work from there, which will be incredibly exciting. Just freeing people to work in weirder and weirder places is going to be pretty fun.
1: So, Liam, tell us a bit more about your experience regarding remote work. You know, In what moment you decided to embrace it and promote it and start doing an international event about that. How long ago was that? And how have you personally experienced these months where everyone is saying, oh, of course, we all knew that remote work was ideal. But you've been talking about that for years, right? Yeah.
0: Actually, I was out to not even dinner, more like a, a coffee or because we can't actually go into restaurants here in Canada. Mm. And I was chatting with a very, very large company, thousands of employees and multi-billion dollar valuation company. And the guy that runs that is a friend of mine, and he said, Liam, I just wanted to say that you were right. Uh, I didn't believe in remote work over the last 15 years of building this business, and now I'm recognizing this is absolutely and positively the model to build hyper-growth companies. And so that's incredibly exciting coming from someone like that, and we're seeing that happen everywhere. So I've been working remotely for 15 years. Uh, Time Doctor, our time tracking company for remote teams, we've been in operation for almost 10 years and about four years ago mm-hmm. we started running remote and we were actually at our team retreat so every year we fly everyone to a particular location that year it was Boracay, in the philippine islands so baracay is kind of like the party island in the philippines so we flew wow. everyone in there and we were at about 75 people at that point and we were trying to get to 150 that year and so we said to ourselves okay well let's try to figure out some information on how to really scale to that level, and we found almost nothing. There was a whole bunch of information on how to hire a virtual assistant. There was you know, a lot of information on how to be location independent, how to be a digital nomad, but there was very little, if not anything, on building and scaling hyper-growth companies that just happened to be remote. So we looked at that information and we said, well, we really love this. This is what we're very passionate about. We wanna unlock this. And I spoke to a couple of friends of mine, Amir from Duist, Joel Gascoigne from Buffer, Dimitri from GitLab, who all run incredibly successful billion-dollar valuation Mm. remote-first companies. And I said, well, what if we could all get in a room for two days and really kind of teach these fundamentals to everyone? I kind of had a ready-fire-aim mentality. So I just booked a venue in Bali that first year, and we made it work. Uh, We had 260 people that attended that one. The next year, we had over 700 people, and it's just grown from from there. So uh, that was really how the kind of conference came to be. And now I think, well, we had to go virtual this year like everyone else, but we've had almost 25,000 people over the last year that have attended our events. So the space has completely exploded. There's been more activity in the last 12 months than there have been in the last 15 years combined remote work. So we're all pretty excited (laughs) on the running remote in time doctor side, as I'm sure probably you guys are as well on where remote work is going. But it's also a very exciting can also sometimes be scary. So where are we going? You know, what do we look like in the next year, 18 months? Where's remote work going? These are all the questions that I'm trying to figure out and putting all my spare time into
1: understanding. And I guess one thing that everyone should know by now is that, we have adopted remote work, but because of an emergency, and that might not be the ideal way to do it. So maybe you can share with us, what are the biggest mistakes that companies have made when abruptly shifting to remote work? Because this is not the ideal mm. situation, right? We, we don't want to, remote work doesn't mean that you have to be inside your house 24-7. Right. So I love that the media
0: is communicating the term work from home, because work from home, is not remote work. Those are two separate things. Work from home is there's a virus outside that may or may not kill you. Everyone has to remain in their house. They can't interact with anyone. They've got to stay cooped inside with their kids and their wives, their husbands, their fathers, their brothers and sisters, their dogs. Roomies. And it's a very, very stressful. And the roommates. There we go. And the roommates. It's a very stressful time for everyone. Remote work is not that. So if you're in that space right now, if you're what we like to call a pandemic panicker, the companies that just went remote within the last year or some of the employees that just went remote within the last year, it is going to get way, way better. Remote work is I can work at a co-working space. I can work at a coffee shop. I can be free to really expand out my space. I could be location independent if I can do it legally. I can operate in a different state or in a different country and still work for the same company. So this is going to be, to me, the real explosion of remote work is going to happen in the next 12 months as the vaccine rolls out to all corners of the globe and we can really
1: start to
0: explore remote work and not working from
1: home. Yeah. But I have to ask again, do you have in your mind like some specific example of something that a company did that is like, oh no, you should stop doing that from now on? So, biggest things that I can see right
0: now is micromanaging is definitely one of those things that's important to not do. However, clear quantitative KPIs are also really important to be able to implement. You'd be surprised how many large corporate Companies have no clear KPIs for their employees. So, inside of what we like to call remote first organizations, meaning companies that hire remote first, as opposed to on premise companies that are all inside of an office, every single employee inside of our company has a clear quantitative KPI that they must reach. Doesn't matter what it is, but it must be measurable and it must be longitudinal. So, how many days between a job spec and a hire, as an example, is the one that all of our HR department follow. If you're a salesperson, it's pretty simple. It's something like commission. If you're a developer, it's something like net lines of code written per week or per month. If you're a customer support rep, it is MPS. We have all of these quantitative measurements that everyone needs to follow up on. You need to be able to have those. They need to be reported weekly, not biweekly, not monthly, but weekly and then everyone needs to be held accountable to them so that you can make course corrections as quickly as humanly possible remote companies have a bigger collaboration problem than on-premise companies i talk a lot about this but and it's very difficult for an office mentality an office-based company to really understand But when you commute into an office, think of it as like a buffet of communication and collaboration. So you pay a cost of everyone driving in an hour and a half to a particular place. But in that place, you can collaborate very, very quickly and easily. Remote first companies are more à la carte when it comes to communication and collaboration. So they can choose when to have synchronous time as opposed to what the majority of remote first companies have, which is asynchronous forms of communication, which leads into my second point. The assumption that a synchronous communication collaboration is good is a broken assumption. It's actually bad. It reduces people's ability to be able to embrace deep work. There's a fantastic book written by Cal Newport called Deep Work. If anyone is really trying to figure out how to become more productive when they work remotely, that is the book that you need to read. And The book basically states that all of these interruptions, these synchronous forms of communication, impact your output overall. So, if you're connected to a clear quantitative longitudinal KPI and you know exactly what to do and you have everything in place to be able to achieve it, then your next goal is to reduce the amount of synchronous forms of communication as much as possible. Because if you have everything in front of you, then there's nothing stopping you from actually achieving that goal. And you need to constantly audit inside of those organizations to be able to figure out how to not increase synchronous communication, but how to decrease synchronous communication. And I know that's very counterintuitive when people think about that because it's really been a broken model because that cost of commuting into the office is something that everyone pays when they're in an on-premise model. Everyone drives in, so communication effectively costs you nothing. But for remote first companies, every time you meet, it costs you something. So therefore, if you can reduce that as much as possible, you're going to become a lot more successful. And most of the hyper growth companies that I've encountered that are remote first have all implemented an asynchronous communication model in order to perform to the levels that they're currently performing at now. I'll give you a perfect example, actually. Coinbase is, I believe they just IPO'd this week, they are ipo would at $113 billion. They are the largest IPO for 2021, or will be the largest IPO of 2021. And for the first time in the history of the SEC, they're allowed to state that their headquarters is from nowhere. Within the next five to 10 years, all hyper-growth companies will be remote. You will not be able to build a company That is in a hyper growth state if it is not remote. And this is the thing that it's not a nice to have anymore. It's table stakes. So you have to understand how to manage those companies effectively. And the biggest thing that I see is a lack of understanding of how asynchronous communication and
1: processes work. Now, the challenge is that according to some surveys that have been published lately, I think about the Buffer Remote Work Survey of this year, they find that employees are saying that they feel that they are working more and having more meetings. So how can companies better help them? Maybe you just answered that with the KPIs thing. I don't know. What's your thought about that?
0: So it's true. They are working more. But if you tunnel into that data a little bit more, it's somewhat counterintuitive. So time doctor. As an example, we're the largest time tracking tool for remote teams in the industry, so we study this all the time. And you are correct; there is more time between when you start work and you end work. However, there are a lot of distractions throughout that workday, which is counted towards work. I'll give you a perfect example. What do you think the average workday time on computer for someone who works at a computer? What do you think that is?
1: Wow, like working from home? Working from home. Wow, that's a great question. I mean, depending on, on the position, you could have a lot of meetings. Some people are having like five, six meetings a day. So, I mean, minimum six hours a day. The average is two hours and 36 minutes. Wow. That's the amount of time that people spend on their computer, active on
0: their computer. A lot of that mm-hmm. other time is spent on you know, their phone. It's spent on the in-between states between... Mm-hmm preparing for work and actually doing work and what Cal Newport states as deep work. So our philosophy is you can actually get an entire day's workday done quite literally from nine to 12. If you could put in three solid hours of work, you're already way ahead of the average in terms of work productivity. But the problem is that I start working for 15 minutes and then someone pings me on Slack. Or I work for another 20 minutes, and then someone says, hey, can you jump into this Zoom call? And it's a constant state of distractions throughout your workday. We have something that we're currently experimenting with right now, which a couple other remote-first companies have done, which is no meeting Wednesdays. So no one is allowed to interact with Zoom or any type of other video conferencing tool, no form of synchronous communication, at least on Wednesdays, so we can lock that down and get some deep work accomplished? As again, as I said, the goal is not to necessarily get rid of synchronous work, but the goal is to be able to constantly audit where you're spending your time synchronously and trying to reduce that. So could I turn a one-hour meeting into a 20-minute meeting? Do I get pulled into a meeting without it being booked? As an example, what's the context of this meeting? Why am I here? Do I need to be here? We have another rule, which is if you don't think the meeting is useful, you can leave it and you don't need to provide any explanation as to why you're leaving. You can just walk away because we want everyone to focus back on that deep work because that's the differentiator between regular growth or you know unsuccessful growth and hyper-growth companies at least
1: in the remote work world. One of the things I constantly talk about in this podcast with experts and other entrepreneurs is if it is truly possible to have all your workforce working remotely. I think there are two extremes of that question. Some people like Bob Glazer told me, you have to pick one, either fully remote or not. I don't like the hybrid approach. I think it can be dangerous. I mean, if you don't state why exactly there is a mix of that, you could have people you know getting confused or it could affect your productivity but some other people say well there are certain positions that have to be local or regional by nature and you have to have people at the office you could probably also have you know people fresh out of college that need a more one-to-one shadowing Mm -hmm. opportunities with their colleagues so is it truly something that can be applied all across one company or in the end it's going to be a mix necessarily it really depends on the type of company that you
0: have, but I can give you some interesting data points. Pre COVID, 4% of the US workforce was working remotely approximately. Post COVID, we had a peak of 46% of the US workforce working remotely and 80% of people that primarily work on their computer were working remotely at the same time wow. during that time period. Now, did the economy collapse? Did, you know, did everything fall apart? No, everyone pretty much did their job, and they've been doing it pretty fantastically the last 15 months that we've all been working remotely. Uh, I believe that in the majority of cases, and again, you can't look at things like, as an example, banking. Banking require PCI compliance level security. As of right now, there are very few remote compliant platforms that can encrypt a computer. In order for a banker to be able to do their work outside of an intranet. So there's always going to be those use cases and hopefully those get built in the future so that we can have that type of, you know, remote disconnected forms of work that are, that are a lot more secure than they currently are today. But in my opinion, it's not an issue of can it all be done remotely? It's an issue of Poor economics. I truly believe, and I think that Coinbase is a perfect example of the tide shift that's happening inside of remote work today. I, I actually believe Coinbase is the moment in which you've got your first Model T. You've got the manufacturing plant, the manufacturing line philosophy. That was the big thing that Henry Ford did Model T's weren't great, you know, but you could pump them out at one tenth of the cost of everyone else because it was a better methodology for building physical products. I believe remote work is a better methodology for building at least technology companies. And it's not its not an issue of, oh, can I do it? It's an issue of, well, if I don't know how to do this, how will I be able to grow in comparison to my competitors That are effectively saving 30 to 40% on the dollar to be able to produce exactly the same result. So, yeah, I, I wish I could kind of communicate it in a different way. And to a degree, I mean, offices are great. I mean, I did have one at one point, but I recognized that it was an old model. It is a horse and buggy model. And, uh, Even though I probably love my horse, (laughs) cars are way better. uh, And it's just gonna be a new way of working.
1: So a simple question about, again, how to make employees feel better when working right now from home, eventually remotely. What should companies do in order to provide more comfort or equipment to people working from home or remotely? You know, should they take responsibility of the environment where people start working no matter where that is, you know, like buying them computers, ergonomic chairs, desks? And as you know, many countries are already creating laws to make sure that companies pay, you know, the internet bill or even the electric a part of the electricity bill. How do you see that? So I think that's a really
0: interesting one, and it will be interesting to see what happens in the next couple, two years. I would say there's a case happening right now, I believe in the state of California, where a woman slipped and fell and uh, seriously hurt, broke her hip. And she is suing her employer for an unsafe work environment because she was working remotely. So these cases are gonna come up and these precedents are gonna kind of get you know produced. But as of right now, it is a difficult question to answer. So let's just talk about the safe work environment. Does that then mean that you can't sign those rights away, right? So you can't just say, hey, I opt out of the employer providing me a safe work environment, at least in the United States. So, does that then mean that you have someone review your office setup inside of your house? From, you know, from your employer? Does that mean that your employer provides all of your office equipment? Does that mean that they provide your internet bill, your electricity bill? There was a woman that I just actually chatted with from the running remote community that had to take PTO because her internet connection wasn't working properly. And her employer basically said, well, either find another internet connection or you have to take a day off those examples are really, you know, bad examples of remote work and you need to be able to make sure that you can adapt to those types of situations. I wish I could tell you one side or the other how it's going to happen. I'm a little bit more pragmatic about this than a lot of other people where my opinion is that if you change the laws, let's say in the United States, the talent or the employers are going to actually hire talent in other places. This is another thing that not many people really understand about remote work is we are going to see challenges on U.S. labor, European labor, Canadian labor, like you have never seen before, because the genie is out of the bottle on both sides. The employee now has more freedom than ever before. And if you're really, really good at your job, you are going to excel and make way more money than anyone else. But the employer can now hire from anywhere, particularly Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies that just didn't have that capability a year ago. Now they're recognizing, wow, I can hire people wherever on planet Earth. So therefore, why should I hire a $280,000 developer in San Francisco when I can hire a $65,000 developer in Ukraine and I effectively get the same person? This is going to be huge for developing countries. You're going to see a renaissance inside of those countries where that brain drain is really going to stop because it's very expensive to be able to bring someone, immigrate someone to places like San Francisco or New York or London or Toronto. It's going to be at the expense fundamentally of G20 nations. And so I don't know how that's going to kind of play out. I think there's a lot of interesting policies that probably are going to have to be written very soon. But the one thing that I do know of all else is um, countries are pretty darn slow at putting that stuff together. So I think we're at least three to five years away before something definitive is is put down in terms of the employee and employer rights
1: that applies to remote work. So we're reaching the final part of the conversation. So I guess it is time to talk more about the long-term changes that remote work is going to bring. You've said, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, in one interview that you see remote work as an intermediary step of the digitization of the economy. So maybe you can explain to our audience why remote work represents what I think it is a point of no return towards what is usually known and talked about as the future of work. Why is remote work the beginning of what we've been talking like for the past five years, you know, the several international organizations about the future of work. Is it really related and and why is that? So I think that we're going to see probably over the next five to 10
0: years is, number one, we're going to see the equalization of work all over planet Earth. So you're no longer going to have any corporations restrict themselves to a particular city, state, or country. Every single company on planet Earth will be an international company, which is really great for companies like Globalization partners, they can take advantage of providing services to companies like those. But the implications are you're going to have to get a lot more competitive on the employee side and on the employer side. I talk about how everyone should become the 1% of something. So you should become the 1% of front-end React developers or the 1% of on-page SEO optimization people or the 1% of business-to-business podcast production. Because if you can become specialized, hyper-specialized in those particular roles, you will always have work because work no longer has any borders. You're going to see a huge renaissance in the developing countries all over the world that talent is going to be able to access job opportunities that you will have never had before. I always talk about how remote work is the best way to be able to get employers and employees to find the best of each other. But that is going to be massively challenging for employees that are, you know, let's say in the mid range of that employment, that employment world. And, and it's also going to be. The big challenge for employers is actually how to adapt to that methodology and to be able to run it efficiently. Now, with all of that said, if you don't make the shift to remote, then you're stuck in a really difficult situation where I think you are not the Model T. You are not adopting this new way of working that is going to completely transform the global economy and effectively make building companies much more efficient. So the core of that is actually asynchronous communication and asynchronous management philosophy inside of that to be able to make that work. Uh, we have a ton more information on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash running remote about that. But that's the key piece that everyone needs to really understand moving forward. And if you don't understand that, you're unfortunately going to be left behind. But The silver lining on that is if you can embrace this now, you're already going to be ahead of the curve. And when the dust settles in the next few years,
1: you should be on top if you adapt quick enough. One final question regarding the skills of remote workers and employees. So that's one of the biggest discussions around the future of work, the new skills that workers will require in order to do the jobs that robots will not do. So you know, creativity, teamwork, being able to connect with people from different cultures. So, those things are pretty much, we are at the beginning of that era when we are realizing that those are a new set of skills that are required for remote work and eventually for other types of work. So, who's responsible for training and forming this new generation of workers? You know, should companies provide that training? Should governments completely overhaul the education system? That's going to take long. Or are workers on their own? It has to come from workers on their own.
0: I mean, I'm a big, (laughs) not to necessarily get too political, but I'm very libertarian in that context. Mm. Uh, If you don't control your own adaptability to the market, the market will leave you behind. And we are currently experiencing that. If I'm talking to an average employee today, get much better at asynchronous communication, get much better at writing, much better at communicating information effectively through digital formats, Process documentation, these are all absolutely critical, regardless of whatever you do as a remote worker, that will be such a huge asset moving forward. And if you don't adapt to that, if you have to remain inside of the on-premise model, the model where synchronous communication, you believe, is the most effective way to be able to communicate, then you're fundamentally going to be left behind because it is just an inefficient model to be able to build hyper-growth companies. And the world is recognizing this right now. As I said, we've got that tide shift that's currently occurring. There's still time to be able to jump in on that and understand it, but time is running out. I would probably say within the next 24 months, the world is really gonna recognize the majority. I'll, I'll give you this as a suggestion. I'll, I'll make this kind of prediction. Within the next 24 months, the majority of the Fortune 500 will be primarily remote, I believe. So that will be a complete shift in understanding where remote work is today. The genie is out of the bottle. The employees that are top performers will require remote work as table stakes. The employers that want to continue to grow will recognize they cannot do an on-premise model and succeed. They must switch to a remote model. So Again, that's my perspective on it. I'm sure there's probably other people that would have completely opposite perspective. But even if you think that there's a 10% chance that that happens, you might as well learn how to do it effectively because it's only going to give you an asset long term.
1: You've given us some great quotes. Thank you very much for this interview, Liam. If people want to know more about you, about your companies, what you do, how to get in touch with you, how can they do it? Sure. So timedoctor.com, if you want to check out our tool, time tracking for remote teams, if you want
0: to learn more about running remote, go to runningremote.com. Globalization partners will be speaking at that event as well. And if you want to get access to all of our
1: talks for free, we do publish all of our talks on our YouTube channel completely for free, youtube.com slash Oh, That's great. Thank you very much for your time on this interview, Liam. Thanks for having me. And that's it. This is the end of our show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Remember that you can find all past episodes on Spotify, Google and Apple podcasts. If you are planning to hire a new global team member, remember that Globalization Partners makes it easy to onboard international talent in a matter of days. Go to globalization-partners.com to get started. This is Going Global. Presented by Globalization Partners.